In Google Sheets, the biggest myth probably is that Google Sheets are an internal tool um, that you use Google Sheets to do processes, workflows within either your own solo business. If you are the only person in your business and you use Google Sheets, you'll keep notes there. You'll keep data. You'll keep a CRM, a customer CRM. And Google Sheets is very powerful this. Google Sheets is very powerful for this, right? To keep data. But it can also be extremely useful for communication between internal and external, uh, sharing information with clients, sharing those workflows, planners, checklists with clients, along, doing it along with clients, customers, users, or giving them additional resources. Uh, because it's my business, right? I have a lot of Google Sheets that you can download that you can see, but I'm also helping a lot of businesses create Google Sheets that they give away to their users, to their members, to their clients. And it's beyond powerful. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to uh, strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got a, another great guest on the podcast. Um, Andrew Campy, and uh, Andrew is going to talk about a, a few different things, including uh, you know starting a business that has a library of content, and uh, and also talking a little bit about um, how you can adjust user inter user interfaces, and even making small tweaks to make it better, and um, doing a survey or doing user surveys and getting feedback from clients, and uh, maybe even talk a little bit about uh, not uh, endlessly googling things uh, for experts. Um, and then explaining some uh, terms on or, or how explaining terms and providing clear explanations is beneficial. And uh, I'm sure some great other conversations from there. So, um, yeah, with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Andrew. Thank you so much, Devin. It's great to be here. Love it. Hey, excited to have you on. And uh, for those that haven't caught, Andrew was on uh, the uh, sister podcast, The Inventive Journey. So definitely encourage everybody to go check out that episode. Um, but for those people that haven't had a chance to catch the episode or just saying, hey, we just want a couple minute uh, <laughs> shortened version of, of, of uh, introduction to you. Uh, tell the uh, audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks. So what I currently do is I create tutorials for Google Sheets users. So if you use Google Sheets, I help you do Google Sheets better. I run bettersheets.co. Uh, it's not just tutorials. It's Google Sheet tutorials, templates, and tools. So I also create things like templates, which allow someone to just get it and go, uh, start using it right away, and tools that help make your experience in Google Sheets better. So for example, I also create tools for basically other businesses to help distribute uh, uh, Google Sheets. So I created like only sheets, which allows you to make a paywall in front of Google Sheets and sell access to uh, Google Sheets, some stuff like that. And so I like to always press on the limits and the borders of what people think they can do in Google Sheets. All right. Well, that was a great introduction. It's a fun service that you provide. So 
Yeah, definitely with that. And maybe to, to dive into now the, the topics at hand for a bit. So, um, you know, one of the things that uh, we chatted with a bit before, but I think that it is almost a growing area of, for businesses oftentimes and a much and, and a lot of varying uh, formats is, you know, setting up a business where you're providing a library of content. In other words, you see that everything from mm -hmm. streaming services that have a library of content that's for video and, you know, those on demand. You have, you know, podcast services that have a library of content for podcasts. You also have a lot of, you know, legal ones that are now legal templates. You'll have it for, you know, Excel and, and uh, those type of sheets like you do. And so there's a growing, I think, ability or, desire from a lot of businesses to say, hey, what we'd like to do is monetize a lot of what we've created or what we've had as a library so that we can create it once and then have multiple sales off of it. So when you're kind of looking at building a business around a library of content, so to speak, um, how do you go about uh, tackling that? Or how do you go about to, uh, or starting to build that type of a business? Yeah, so I think there are two ways to sort of create a library of content. I'm sure there's others that I can't think of or explain right now, but the two versions are a course, which is a specific um, amount of videos in a specific order where you're, you're going to go from zero to one on some topic. And for online work, this seems to be a very, well, one, it's a very large offering, right? We have huge uh, startups in this space, Udemy, Coursera, Skillshare, Masterclass, um, the second way to do online content is in the library format, right? Just a growing library. Uh, I call it like a nonlinear, uh, group of videos where these videos can be viewed in many different ways, uh, in different orders across an infinite timeline instead of like, oh, I'm going to spend three hours on this course. I'm going to spend the rest of my life getting better at X, whatever that might be, um, and I sort of backed my way into this space. I wanted to create something, right? I didn't know what kind of course I wanted to do. I didn't really know what going from zero to one would look like when I started Better Sheets. And so through that unknowing and not knowing the linear progression, not knowing if other people would, might want it, it was actually much easier to start a library of content that I said, okay, I'm going to keep adding to this. Um, it's some exists now you can access it, pay for access. In some cases, a lot of people might give free access to a library of content and maybe upsell to services or consultancies or SaaS or something. Um, we see this in actually a lot of community-based SaaS, uh, products. They'll use a library of content instead of say customer support or, um, help desk. They'll have a library of content. So I sort of backed my way into it because, I didn't know, right? I didn't think of, oh, I used Google Sheets for like five years myself and I knew, okay, other people like the Google Sheets that I make and I have a different viewpoint and a different idea of what's going on, but I'm so insecure. It was, it was really a point of insecurity. And I think that's fine if you end up with a product, if you end up creating something, right? As serial entrepreneurs, we know it's like, just make something, <laughs> just get something out there, get people accessing it. And, and it's it's been awesome uh, so far because every new person that 
sees it and views it ends up making it better by asking questions like what else and so you have this center of a core that you can create and then every question increases that core no i i think that uh that certainly makes uh makes perfect sense now because i mean now you're you're kind of hitting on a couple different things and maybe to drill down and maybe to circle back to the first one and then i, I definitely want to get back to the user feedback and improving but you know when you're starting it when you started maybe to give an give or kind of an example of how you did it when you're starting a library content you know you can start with one piece of content you can start with a thousand pieces of content or anywhere in between and it's kind of a balance of it you know if you don't have enough content then you're going to struggle because people are saying you don't have enough value or there is enough reasons to keep returning and they can make it difficult and yet if you forever are taking the I need to create more content all the time, you're going to be forever investing in the content, never monetizing it. So how do you kind of figure out what content to provide and the level of content that uh, you need to provide? I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I know what I did, right, is I started the first day I had eight videos, four for free and four paid behind a paywall. That's how I started. Hmm. And I also started on a no code platform. Like I, I had a website, I had a domain that I bought like 24 hours before that. And then the library was like on Gumroad, like just to sort of speak about the specifics that I used loom. And hmm. okay. This is sort of a slightly different thing, um, but might help people is Loom was very easy to use. The process of make uh, creating, making, and distributing a Loom video is all in the same platform. When you think of you doing a content library, many times you try to think of how am I going to distribute it? How, I'm, how am I going to make it? And how am I going to produce it? So sort of making a video and producing it and distributing it are separate things. And that can get extremely overwhelming do i distribute on youtube do i have a membership uh what business model do i use like is it access one at a time is the first one free and then you all of those questions i sort of backed into because i knew <clears throat> from my insecurity i i knew i was going to increase the number of videos i knew i could do them fast because i was lo using loom just walking through things and showing it on the screen. Um, I knew I, I gave myself a uh, constraint that I would not edit. Getting from making a video to editing a video, huge step. I myself have been a video editor and video producer for like a decade and I didn't want to edit. <laughs> like, mm. And people who haven't produced video will probably be like, how do I edit this? Don't edit. <laughs> That's how you edit it. Don't edit it. Um, so those constraints got me to producing video in a loom, distributing it through a loom folder. Um, and that helped me immensely, right? If if you're planning something, you gotta put pull all these. Okay, am I gonna distribute it on uh Gumroad? Am I gonna sell it on Gumroad? Where am I gonna sell it? Where am I gonna distribute it? How am I gonna make money? A lot of that was just answered by, oh, I'm going to record a Loom video, put a paywall on Gumroad, and the business model, I knew 
okay, this is from a sense of secure uh, insecurity. I knew I was going to add some videos, but I didn't know like really the time horizon. And I definitely didn't want to be stuck, like stuck, stuck on a monthly, like I have to churn out that like internal mechanism to have like being pulled by an external thing of having to make videos. I didn't think would add to the quality of the videos or the content. And so I made it a one-time price. Now, mind you, we're recording this in 2022. When I did that, when I made that decision, it was uh, April, 2020. So a lot of external things were going on at the time and the world was uh, insecure. The, the world had insecurity over price, uh, money, health. And so I read a great article that said like, when the world is crazy, your price should not be crazy. Do the math for people. Um, SaaS pricing and monthly pricing doesn't work in a recession because one, people kill any expenses that they don't need. And two, they do the math. And you don't have to do the math if you sell a product for a one-time price. I never charge you again. So mm. that pricing model ended up being the right price at the right time. Um, and... To help other people, it, it's a lot of insecurity to be like, what? how much do I charge? How long do I charge? Is it monthly, yearly? I did one price, one time. You never have to pay me again and access the library. No, and I think that, you know, I think that one thing you're probably hitting on it that I like and I tend to agree is the simpler you can make it to understand and the e more accessible it is, the more beneficial. And I think that too often we try and make it complicated or we try and make it too complex or in other words, people, then they get lost or frustrated they're not getting what they want they're not getting it how they would need to access it and they're forever feel like they're getting upcharged or, or paid for paying for things when they're not getting the value and i think that simplicity of hey this is what we're selling here's a content library is you know certainly beneficial and i think the other thing you hit on is i think that you know you said you chart you know you started out i think with the content library of eight which means, hey, I didn't start out with one. One's probably too little, but I also don't have to go crazy. In other words, you know, if you go and build, you know, I think sometimes when I've watched others do it, they'll go build a huge content library. And then they come to find out there's only about, there's a handful of things or a handful of content within that library that people actually want and are going to use. And they spent all of this time, money, and effort building content that only a very minuscule amount of people that or that would be users are ever going to actually access and it doesn't drive that value back for all that investment. So I think it sounds like, you know, picking those that are, these are going to be the most valuable. These are going to be the um, ones that are going to provide the biggest or best return that most people are going to want. You start there and then you can build out, as you said, mm. last point is getting that user feedback of what are the things that people still want? What are the tweaks? Let's survey the audience, survey the feedback and see what are the users not liking or what am I lacking and build up from there as opposed to just trying to build it all at once, thinking you have it and then having to go back and reassess. So something you, oh, go ahead. Something you said really interesting there was to make them to make the content that is the most valuable at the at the start. What might happen is you don't know what's valuable. And there's a little bit of a heuristic, a tiny little trick, a little heuristic you can do that will allow you, if you are an expert to know what's most valuable. And that's probably, this isn't this, it isn't a salve. It's not like a silver bullet, but if you have zero content and you're trying to build a content library of value 
and you don't know what value is, just start at what is blindingly obvious, what is incredibly easy for you. Um, and that is pretty much like going to be on the side of like, oh, this is an expert talking. You'll be more confident. You'll be more into it, excited about it. If if it's easy and you it comes off, you know, right away. Um, that idea of value is really hard to crack because we only know our own side. We don't know yet who our users are, who is going to buy this, who's going to see it, who's going to watch it. So hopefully that helps a little. No, I think that that's uh, definitely uh, uh, some great uh, thoughts and feedback. So, well, kind of following up and one of the questions I was going to have, because I think that places that people oftentimes struggle is when you're looking at user feedback, first of all, getting user feedback Mm -hmm. and then using or getting and then one, getting feedback at all, two, getting meaningful feedback and three, actually using that feedback Mm -hmm. to improve the product. And so as you've kind of, gone or gone along with your business how have you gone about getting that user feedback and then getting meaningful mm-hmm. all three getting feedback making sure it's meaningful and then actually implementing it uh so for me the this sort of happened i would say organically but i don't think you need to like just let it happen i think it could be very much purposefully done is <laughs> I had an ask me anything policy. Again, this came from a feeling of insecurity. I didn't know what people wanted to know about Google Sheets. I didn't know what could actually help other individual people. Again, I've been working in for five years with like inside of a company. I helped create this sort of huge mechanisms and huge things and databases inside of Google Sheets inside this company. Um, so I had some ideas but when separate when i separated from that company and now i'm helping other individuals how do i know what's working um and i just literally said ask me anything i think i replied to every email originally um <laughs> this is going to sound weird but sometimes you have zero audience you have zero users and you think like how could i ever get user feedback how can i ever get questions um but my god there are so many forums for people asking questions at least in google sheets god there's so many there's quora reddit um facebook groups um those are some places i still spend time in so two years on and also by the way i have to like make a little note here i did just say that i have a one-time price I, I sell, you pay me once and you never pay me again. I all, I just in the last three months added uh, a monthly membership. So any business decision you make is not irreversible. So you can, you can set something up and it can change over time. Um, I just wanted to point that out, that if somebody's looking at me right now and I'm like, oh, you have a monthly price on your website. Yes, I do now. Um. Hmm. But that's all actually funny enough, that's based on user feedback, right? That's implementing someone saying like, oh, the price of the lifetime deal that pay one price and you get it forever is going up and it's too expensive. Okay, how do I give you a cheaper option? Um, So the question, the original question you had was, um, 
Yeah, my, I'll, get, I'll rephrase it because there's kind user. of the three. You got user survey, right, and mm -hmm. and user feedback. And the question is, one is how do you even how do you go about getting that? Because I think that a lot of companies struggle with that. Two is if you get the or the feedback, how do you get it to be meaningful feedback? And then three is how do you use it to actually be implementable or or make or incorporate it into your product? Mm -hmm. So maybe the first one is how do you even go about getting user feedback, and how do you actually get people to want to give you because every everybody asks for surveys every time you buy something they tell you can you give us a rating can mm. you leave us a review and most of the time you're saying man it's not worth my time and i'm not going to you know take that time out of my day to do something that i'm really not going to get any compensation for so how do you go about getting user feedback in the first place yeah i think asking the right question is good you're spot on right those surveys are just absolutely useless and NPS surveys, I don't know if anyone does those, are just absolutely useless. Someone saying, I like this product as a 7 out of 10 gives you no meaningful feedback. Mm -hmm. You have an you have almost the same process, almost same. You you open yourself up to like ask law questions, like IP law questions, right? Sure. And how do you how do you phrase you have a I I noticed it and now I can't remember the exact phrase, but you had say like, ask, not ask me anything, but you say something. Yeah. I mean, we, and, and I said, I think that, and, and that's part of what we've had to figure out a lot of is getting feedback and survey. I mean, everything, we still ask for reviews because reviews are king. And mm -hmm. if you can get them, it's beneficial to have them on Amazon or, or Google or anything else. But then beyond that, it's also asking, you know, along the ways we, one, we'll check in with clients along the ways or along the way to see if they're having issues. We'll also mm -hmm. monitor where they tend to get hung up on, or if there's parts of the process that can be improved. We look to incorporate in, you know, we've asked, or a lot of times fees are, or you, we've had users say, hey, this is hard to understand, or we seem to be keep getting the same a lot of questions. And so when I look at it, user feedback is not just simply sending a survey or asking them for feedback, but it's also listening to when they're having issues or struggles or something isn't making sense or it's taking them longer, or you keep getting the same question over and over. Those are the user feedback that we oftentimes will look to incorporate in or to make better. Yeah. One thing I added to this, so I, I have the phrase, ask me anything. I've I use that all the time in all my emails. At the end of emails that are automated emails to new users, I'll literally say, ask me anything. I've made videos that are part of the library that say, ask me anything. Um, and I can also do something similar to you where after a years, you see those patterns. So what I did is I made a video that helped people ask the right questions. So it's, I think it's like an eight to 10 minute video of me just telling people, here's good questions, here's bad questions to ask me. Um, if your question involves two words, like how do you do inventory management? That's a bad question because I don't know the context. I don't know what you've tried. I don't see the sheet that you're using. I don't know actually the part of that problem that you're having or on the other side if you have if you start writing paragraphs and you're like well uh i i can't do this and this and this and this and this and i i'm trying to do this and then this and then this and this and if you write too much i can't really help you because it just takes that's so much context and it's such a small thing perhaps make a loom so i keep talking about loom i think it literally is the reason my business exists now but I ask people, I'm like, just send me a one minute loom. 
if you can show me what you're doing and show me the problem and in in fully in a whole in a whole uh screen this is a very weird google sheet problem but people will send me screenshots of what they're trying to do or well they can't do something so they'll show, they'll send me a screenshot of what they have but then they'll say something like oh i get this error and the error is not in the screenshot i'm like ah errors i don't know what the error is that you're getting so there's a lot of context a lot of explanation um this might not be a good tip for many people who want to have like a passive business or want to like separate their content library from their agency and consultancy but i'm totally fine going back and forth by email i don't schedule calls anymore i do have like a hourly rate if you want to just jump on a call and we can like work through your problem but like i'm okay going back and forth and having email threads um some other companies that with content libraries will try to do a forum. They'll try to do a community. They'll try to do a discord chat. They'll try to do a Slack group or some community group that they think the community will help out. I've tried this myself and it failed miserably. Um, Cause like people are coming to you for the expertise and the community, even if they watch your videos and they, get sort of leveled up, they'll have many more insecurities than you do. Um, so they won't want to try to help um, thinking that it's wrong. So yeah, the user feedback is hard. I I might have done it the wrong way where I really try to <laughs> go back and forth with people, but well, well, and I think that time. one of the things you hit on is if, if you can get that feedback from the users and they're willing to provide it, it it's a great and, and valuable. I think that what you have to find is to know your audience and your users as to what is the best way that they can provide that feedback. If it is, as you said, a loom where people are willing to say, hey, this is such a valuable product. I want it to be improved and here's my feedback all the better. If on the other hand, you're selling a consumer product and they're saying, hey, I don't want to, then you have to be looking for the way that they are providing the feedback or you're able to get it and then utilizing that or leveraging that. Shifting gears maybe just a little bit, because one of the other things that we talked on that I think is oftentimes difficult for people or they tend to uh, tend to drain a lot of time and resources on it is forever you know googling endlessly if especially for either for experts and for expertise and trying to understand that and you end up going or going down rabbit holes or going in wrong directions and so you know give us some thoughts on kind of what how that's a problem or why that's a problem and how you might address it so this is a great segue this is a great transition because questions that I get many times from users are ungoogleable questions <laughs> where they need to, they literally need to show me, right? Like they need to show me, here's the thing that I have here's, and then talk about what's the result that they need. <laughs> um, and so I started realizing very well, not, not exactly early on, but months into this and seeing the patterns of how people ask questions i looked at the 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 phrases and words that people were using and then i would sometimes try to google it like and sometimes i would get the answer and i noticed that i was doing the translations like essentially this is not like actual language to language but i would take phrases that they used like i want to go 
I want to move this data from this sheet to the this other sheet. I would I would not put that into Google. I would say something like tab. I would say, oh, I want to move this data from this tab to this tab. And I doing it in originally, I didn't notice it, but I noticed it after many, many times and noticed the pattern that I personally was translating their words and their phrases. And so what I ended up doing was making a literally a, a I guess a dictionary or a translation. Um, it was it's a Google Sheet, and then I let, let gave that to the audience. I, I I gave that to members. I said, "Hey, you keep asking me these questions, and they and they have these like translations or translations, not just from individual words, but a phrase into like what the actual formula is in Google Sheets. Because if you don't type in this particular formula into Google and then look at the results, the phrases that you're using are going to be get no results. You're not going to get the answer to your question. So I actually ended up making a dictionary and a, or a thesaurus, I guess, maybe is a better um, phrase inside of Google Sheets for Google Sheets users. Hmm. Interesting. Well, awesome. Well, we've talked on a lot of fun topics and we've only started to scratch the surface and yet we're already towards the end of the, the podcast episode. And so definitely we'll have to have you back on for another one of the in the series of the podcast and be fun to, to have our follow on conversations. But as we wrap up this episode, I always like to wrap up the episode with one question. So we'll jump to that now, which is within your industry, what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong? So in Google Sheets, the biggest myth probably is that Google Sheets are an internal tool um, that you use Google Sheets to do processes, workflows within either your own solo business. If you are the only person in your business and you use Google Sheets, you'll keep notes there. You'll keep data. You'll keep a CRM, a customer CRM. And Google Sheets is very powerful this Google Sheets is very powerful for this, right? To keep data, but it can also be extremely useful for communication between internal and external, uh, sharing information with clients, sharing those workflows, planners, checklists with clients, along doing it along with clients, customers, users, or giving them additional resources. Uh, because it's my business, right? I have a lot of Google Sheets that you can download that you can see, but I'm also helping a lot of businesses create Google Sheets that they give away to their users, to their members, to their clients. And it's beyond powerful. Uh, Google Sheets has so many communication uh, points, like you can do comments, you can enter data, notes, uh, email back and forth. Google Sheets are very collaborative. Like that's the key difference between Google Sheets and Excel used to be collaboration. Google Sheets are extremely collaborative, but the myth was internally inside your business. And now I think Google Sheets are amazing tools for external collaboration and sharing information with not just information, workflows, planners, uh, data, access all that kind of cool stuff. Awesome. Well, definitely makes makes perfect sense. I think it's a great myth to dispel and uh, certainly one to learn from. So well, as we wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? 
The best way is to find my email. I love email. I don't know why people want to get away from email. Email me anytime. I get emails all the time. I try to answer them all. And what's the what's email, email that they can reach out and contact um, you with? What is? I would love them to find my email because I think it's every. I always <laughs> feel like it's everywhere. Um, all right. So you're you're issuing the challenge that if they want to reach out to you and contact you, they have to do a bit of homework and and uh, find the email out yeah. there. So I like it. So come find awesome. me. I'll, <laughs> I, I that's a great challenge extended so with that thank you again andrew for coming on the podcast it's been a fun it's been a pleasure now for all of you their listeners if you can help us to share this expertise with all the startups and the small businesses out there so they can uh, continue to improve their business just go or, or leave a review click share click subscribe it does help us to make sure that more people can find out about all this great expertise and on that note if you ever need help with your patents your trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help well thank you again andrew and uh, wish yeah. the next leg of your journey Thanks. even better than the last i'm sure someone out there if you're watching this you know someone with google sheets you know someone using google sheets let them know share this with them Someone you know is using Google Sheets. Share this podcast with them. All right. Great parting words. And thanks again, Andrew. Thanks.